From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. We have celebrated a hundred years not years, a hundred episodes. <laughs> and uh, we are now on 103. We, we've had some recap episodes and I hope you enjoyed those. And so today we're going to talk about something that was really cool in the last several months that has gone on. And we'll tell you more in a second, but I need to introduce some of these folks that are in this room. First of all, I'm Scott Armstrong, but to my left is Natalie Franco. Hi guys. And then to her left, AJ Fry. Hi guys. Across from me, Emily Armstrong. Hey everyone. And to my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, when a candle on the inside of the flame turns blue, the temperature is around 1,670 Kelvin, which is uh, 1,400 Celsius. Really? That's real hot. Real hot. (laughs) I knew that. I don't know that I could have given you those numbers, but I knew most of that because when you're in any kind of like chemistry class and you have to start putting things over the flame, that's why there's blue flame in in laboratories because they have to be super, super hot in order for chemicals to start bonding together and stuff like that. Well, next week's fun fact will be brought to you by Emily. (laughs) Chemistry plus. Chemistry chemistry facts. (laughs) Yeah, but that's why it turns blue. Like if you are at a bonfire or something like that, rarely will you see any kind of blue flames or green flames. Because it doesn't get that hot. It doesn't get that hot. But once you start getting into blues, you know that that is like going to burn your face off. Really don't touch it then. Really don't touch it. But a candle, Can you said a candle, a candle can get that hot? A flame. Oh, a flame. Okay. Any kind of flame. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I was imagining like certain ones of our candles. I was like, I've never seen them get blue. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, we are going to, I was going to make a really cheesy segue and be like, well, there's a white hot flame of missions that's going on right now. Blue hot flame. (laughs) Blue hot flame (laughs) that's sweeping our region. But no, I won't do that even as I just did. And, uh, (laughs) but I will, I will actually say that we were able to participate in something called Mission Without Limits. And we're going to get into what that is. Uh, That's the topic today. First of all, like the whole concept behind this event or this program can be summed up in one weird word. And it's a weird word because people actually think when I say it, that I'm mispronouncing it, that I'm misspelling it or whatever. But the word is glocal, glocal. So let's dive into that first before we even tell about what the event was. What is glocal? Well, Scott, it is a combination of two words, global and local. You passed the test. The the Japanese word is dochakuka. I probably mispronounced that a whole lot, but it's just a fun word. I'm so sorry to our Japanese listeners. I think we should use that more often. We have millions of Japanese listeners. And And we're just uh, offended. Just offended, yes. (laughs) Yes, so the dochakuka (laughs) (laughs) means glocal. But why why is the fact that the Japanese word, like where did that come from? Oh, because it's not a new word. Like it's not a word that you just made up off the top of your (laughs) head. Although it sounds like a word Scott would make up. If anybody knows Scott real personally, you might be like, yeah, he made that up. (laughs) Glocal or dochakuka? Both. Yeah, so it's it's actually it's a word that they invented, I guess, or put together 
because it means that even though you're a local community, you're thinking or you're you're behaving on a global scale. So like it's not just your your thoughts and your actions in this in this small community just affect your own community, but it, like it, it affects the world. You know, it affects a global community. So I don't know that we're all prepared to answer this. Uh, it's a question that that I have even before we talk about mission without limits that event. Uh, but like, why is the concept of global important for our churches or our denomination? What, what do you guys think? Just in general, not not re- related to this event. I think for me, um, just off the top of my head, I didn't know you were going to ask that question, but immediately what comes to my mind is we are a global denomination, which basically means that we have Church of the Nazarene congregations all over the world in over 160 different nations. And I feel like sometimes we feel like whether it's local church or at least my district, like we start to see things in like this box that we're doing stuff separated from somebody else. But when you have this mentality that we are all doing this together, like um, in certain countries, they're providing clean water, you know, and it's not just in one country, it's in multiple countries. And in other countries, they've got a refugee response. And it's not just in one country, it's in multiple countries. And we learn from each other and, um, It's more of the iron sharpening iron type mentality that what we're doing here is impacting the entire world as well as the entire world is impacting what we're doing Mm -hmm. right here. So I think for the Church of the Nazarene, we really need to start understanding the term global and even letting it be almost like a metric of when we're doing something, are we able to understand how that's fitting into a global purpose, not just our own local community? Yeah, there's a reason why this became more prevalent in the 80s, 90s, and then 2000s and up to now, because really, I mean, 100 years ago, we weren't globalized. Uh, We couldn't just know exactly what's happening on the other side of the world in an instant. Now we do. Now we are able to. And certainly for business, that has implications. But for the church, I think that that is the goal. We don't want any of our local churches to not be globally minded, to mission mission minded, we could say. And we don't want our denomination to think, man, we're doing lots of big things, but they really don't affect the local church. We want both to be represented and intertwined, honestly. And so that's where we kind of came up with Mission Without Limits. So what was that event? And we, we may, just so everybody knows, we may do more of these in the future, especially if the <laughs> pandemic continues. But what was the concept behind this event? Yeah, I remember when we were talking in our office um, in our immediate office, we don't have a worthless servants office, <laughs> but um, in our immediate office, it's Scott and myself and um, Suhe Barron. She's from Mexico. And um, we were, the pandemic started in March. And I remember by like the middle of April or the beginning of May, everybody started to like settle into this this is kind of what life is going to be for a while. I don't know if you guys, like, can you think back to March? And we were ready for just, like, a couple weeks. Like, we can dig in for a couple weeks, right? And then all of a sudden in in May, it started to turn into a conversation of, oh, this is going to go on a lot longer. But then definitely by June, it was like, this is here to stay for a while. (laughs) Like, we are. And so we had a conversation about if we don't mobilize anybody in missions this year in 2020, what is the worst case scenario that could happen for 
our ministry because our ministry is about developing missionaries and, and mobilizing them. And um, we literally came, walked down that path and we came to the conclusion that if nobody in 2020, and let's say it goes all the way through 21 or 22, if we don't mobilize anybody in any kind of short-term experience, then um, we will literally have a generation gap of missionaries from Mesoamerica. And like, we are just now like in this momentum of like sending missionaries and people feel like they can be a part of it. And we just refuse to think that we weren't going to mobilize. And um, a big part of that conversation had to be, well, what is what we do as missionaries different than what the local church does as evangelistic or compassionate ministries because the church was mobilizing in those ways. You could see that. We saw lots of stories. And this word global is what we landed on. Uh, as global missions, we were able to say, well, let's provide these opportunities of service, but it's not just community service. It's with having this mentality of connecting multiple people all over the region so that we all feel like we're a part of something bigger. It's not just what me and my local church are doing. It's something bigger. So... It's kind of where it was born in, and uh, it's been really exciting to see how God has used uh, one idea that we thought was going to be pretty impossible, actually, and to see what God was able to do with it. Yeah, people that know us in our ministry know that when a person has a missions call, a desire to involve themselves in missions, we walk alongside them. And we had so many in 2020 that were just discouraged. I was supposed to be, and I'm looking at you, Natalie, I was supposed to be in Youth and Mission, or I was supposed to be in Encuentro, or yeah. there are all these events that, that's one of the biggest parts of our job is to mobilize and provide opportunities. And so really Mission Without Limits was a way to say, okay, right in your own city, taking the precautions necessary, of course, uh, according to your city, which are different in each country or each part of sometimes each nation, but you can reach your city, but we're going to tie you in. We'll provide a platform to tie you in with so many other people, uh, youth, uh, countries. And so let's dig in. Like, what was, what did it look like? I, let's start with Chelsea. First of all, you are, some people don't know, our field coordinator for five of our countries in this region. And so you are a big part of coordinating this. What did this look like? It looked like the definition of flexibility. <laughs> my, all five of my countries, well, one of my countries did not participate, but all four that did had to change plans at the very last minute. Wow. Like change sites, change dates. And say say why? I mean. Um, because of different governmental uh, restrictions. So I have Panama and Dominican Republic, which both of their governments put a very strict curfew in place. Um, Panama was basically can't leave your house. And DR was everything shuts down by noon. And so um, those two were not. We had to move the dates. We're trying to get that back up and running. So that's exciting. And then Costa Rica. We had several people get COVID, and so participation dwindled down to one female participant and one male participant, and we couldn't wow. put them in a local church by themselves for a week. So um, they changed, adapted, and Puerto Rico um, also had restrictions. Their dates were actually scheduled for December, and the government put restrictions on them, and so they switched to a hybrid situation of uh, virtual and in-person, which was awesome. And the thing that I learned the most, we, we talked about on a, a couple episodes past, the last been thinking, Emily talked about learning flexibility. And I know this wasn't the point of the 
of the <laughs> event. But I was able to see incredible adaptability in my leaders. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's anything more global. Mm. When you are thrown into missionary service, your life revolves around being flexible and being adaptable. And so the ability of my leaders to pivot and change entire plans that they'd been working on for months, not only to change them, but to also communicate it well enough. Um, Our Puerto Rico site moved districts. So they had to contact the district superintendent, the local church board, all within a matter of 48 hours. And they got it all done. And it was communicated well, it was received well, and as far as I know, no one was upset about the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think even in our expectations of how the event was supposed to go, God did some really cool things to demonstrate leadership development. Natalie, you were with us through all the training. People need to know we did online training for two months beforehand to get people to the stage where they could, in their own context, impact their city <laughs> during a pandemic. But what, what I know Dominican Republic had to postpone, but at the same time, you, I was looking and you were popping up at Zoom meetings and you were encouraging other people in different countries. What was your perspective throughout this whole Mission Without Limits? Like I was, we were so excited here in Dominican Republic, I have to say. And I remember those reunion, like we were just with all this joy, we're going to do this. And then everything happened in here in the Dominican Republic. But thank God we moved to this week. So hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> pray for us, please. Because mm-hmm. I know God is going to continue with everything he has done during those weeks. Like, oh my God, uh, even though I couldn't like do it in the time we were supposed to do it in here in the Dominican Republic. I got the chance and the blessed to share with Puerto Rico. Like I was more in touch with them and I agree, completely agree with Chelsea. I was always talking with them because they are really close friends. And I saw like how they were like, um, they, they, they had issues and they were texting me. This happened now and they, they just figured it out like in the moment. Mm-hmm. And they were just talking to me like everything that happened. And I got the chance to be with them in Pretty much not all the meetings, not all the not all the services. And I had this chance to be in one of their workshops, American Sign Language. <laughs> I really love it. And it was not only like they didn't they not only get in touch with Dominicans, but only with people from Guatemala, Mexico, even Puerto Ricans, like lots of countries. They it didn't they didn't have limits. It was not mm-hmm. only something for Puerto Rico, but for other countries as well. And it was Awesome. Like, I was really, really happy for everything. And when they were, I was talking with them and they told me, like, all the growth they saw in only five days. Mm-hmm. Like, how they were feeling this missionary call in a local situation. Like, mm-hmm. they, didn't have, they didn't even have to move to another country to feel that confirmation. Well, and that was important for you, Chelsea, right? Like, we talked about that. This isn't, the purpose was not just get everyone out and doing something. Obviously we did want to impact our community communities that have been discouraged, really sick, you know, and we wanted to mobilize the church. But for you, it was like what Natalie just said, Hey, people confirmed their missions call. People experienced a call to serve God. Yeah. We are global missions. We are not Nazarene compassionate ministries which is a fantastic ministry, and I don't want you to hear me bashing it, but our job is to mobilize missionaries. And so when we were approaching this this event, 
I kept asking my coordinators, not just everyone's going to participate. This isn't the event that is like summer camp and just everybody gets to come. No, we are doing this to evaluate people and their missions call. Are they adaptable? Are they discerning God's voice in their life? And so to hear that, one, we were very intentional up front with the leaders on, on our field to pray over the participants, that they would receive confirmation one way or another mm-hmm. in their call. And to see God answering that is just really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I'm surprised we've gotten this far without really even sharing some of the creative ways all of these sites decided to minister. Remember, we were not telling from a regional level, we were not telling everyone in each site, you have to do these three things and you have to have this schedule. And you, it was on them to realize what is our biggest need in our city. And so AJ, I know that you've been kind of just reading some of the yeah. testimonies and, and seeing from different countries, some of the reports coming in. Could you give us kind of a report on what has happened? Yeah, it was, it was really cool to just to see how creative, like you were talking about, how creative everyone has been, had been through this whole thing. Uh, there were 41 sites, just so you know, in 10 different countries, and that was 248 total participants. L- let me just pause there. For me, I get chills because <laughs> we're in a pandemic where people yeah. say you can't mobilize missionaries, and we figured out a way. God helped us. I mean, it's all on God, really. Helped us to figure out how many, 250 200, people? 200, yeah, almost 250 people. 41 sites, yeah. countries impacted, praise 10 the countries, Lord. yeah. Yeah. And some of the some of the stories that just really captivated me, I'm not going to share their whole stories, but just quickly, some of these stories. In Mexico, this one really got me. In Mexico, they gave shoes to street vendors. And so when I say street vendors, it's not just people like selling things on the side of the street, although that's what they're doing. Like if you stop at a stoplight... Uh, here in the city, they have a lot of those too. You have people almost surrounding your vehicle, trying to sell you windshield wiper blades, trying to sell you kids stickers or children's books or you name it, like hats. Little plastic duck that like hops around. Yes. (laughs) Hats, sunglasses, you know, masks now. It's, It's just insane the variety of things that they sell. And this got me because I rarely think about those people. I, I just try to not to look at them, not to acknowledge them, and just get through the, the stoplight, right? But they took time to notice what these people need. Mm-hmm. And it's not just money, not just for you to buy their things. They noticed that they needed shoes. And so they would give them shoes. That just really got me. Those are people that for 12 hours a day are walking between cars yes. in the heat or in the wet, whatever the at weather At the same is. intersection, yes. just back and forth. Doing Obviously, the same thing. What they would need? Shoes. Yes. I would have never thought of it. They thought of it. They right. saw the need and met. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, and, and I would like to use that example to even um, give all credit to Suhey Baron, <laughs> who came up with like these missionary concepts of what birthed these ideas, right? And one of the biggest concepts that every team had to do first was go analyze their community, evaluate their community, go see what the need is. Don't just come with the plan, go see the need so that we as the church can be Christ in those situations. And that's something super missionary. And so to hear that story and even AJ, the way you said it of like, I usually don't see those people like that is our normal response, but as the church and as a missional church, we need to see people. And so teaching that concept through this project, if 250 people grab that concept after mission without limits, I think that 
itself is like hyper successful for this entire program for yeah. us. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The team in Puerto Rico did the uh, American Sign Language class not to teach American Sign Language. They took advantage of a gift that one of the participants had, but the purpose was to teach the church to see people of a different language mm-hmm. and to attempt to learn their language. So uh, they taught it from a missional perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. In Guatemala, they planted trees. They didn't just plant trees. They taught children and youth the importance of planting trees and the importance of creation care. That was really cool. In El Salvador, they they gave out food and haircuts. So they they gave people haircuts and then were like talking to them as they were giving haircuts. Um, In Honduras... Uh, they had just gone through a couple hurricanes, like back-to-back hurricanes. And so one of the schools had flooded. I don't think there was much damage to the actual building, but it had flooded and it was all gross and muddy and water. It was just a disaster. I saw some of the before and after, after pictures. Incredible. They cleaned out that entire school and it looked brand new by the time they were done. It was amazing in like less than a week. Literal <laughs> tons of, and I'm, and I'm not using it, exaggerating, tons, if you were to measure, of mud. Yeah. It was, it was pulled out of that school. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, in Nicaragua, they repaired some, some people's houses in the community. They saw that their house was like in disrepair. And so they just decided, let's go fix up their house a little bit. They gave health clinics and went around and sang Christmas carols. This is just a small sample of what people did, there are probably hundreds of more stories of what went on during this week or these couple weeks that these that these people were participating in. And it just says to me, like, there legitimately is no limit to what we can do, to how we can further the kingdom of God. We just need to open our minds and be creative sometimes. But if we just look around us, like I was saying with the with the street vendors and the shoes, if we just pay attention to the people around us, we'll see their need. And God will give us that creativity to, to meet that need. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, we didn't explain this. The idea was to only have groups of 10 in each site. In some countries, five. Right, and most of the sites were closer to five. And so, like, to clean out an entire school, even with 10 people, yeah, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and we did that because of the parameters that were set. You're not supposed to be in groups of more than 10. And in all of Mexico, they said, you need to have in your sites only groups of five. You know, so, Mm. oh, how can we impact our city with just five people? You know, and they figured it out. They figured it out. Meanwhile, we have congregations of 25 who have done nothing during a pandemic. And I don't mean that to sound as mean as it sounds, but... I think the point of this podcast should be to encourage people to not limit God. There is a possibility to impact your city, to impact your community in the midst of a pandemic with the limited resources that you think you have. God is capable of doing way more than you can imagine. The text from the Bible that we use kind of as our as our motto uh, in all of our training and all of this time was from Lamentations. And I thought that was super appropriate. Lamentations where sometimes we're, as Christians, evangelical Christians, we're not really great at lamenting. We think we should just celebrate everything. But the last year has been full of lamenting. It should be. Uh, we should lament what has not been able to happen. Deaths, uh, sickness, uh, many things that have been so difficult in our world around us. And in the midst of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, one version says, the Lord's love 
never ends. His mercies never stop. They are new every morning, Lord. Your faithfulness is great. And just that first part, his love never ends. His mercies never stop. In, in, in other words, he's limitless. And his love and his mercies and his compassion are limitless. The idea of this was to show our region, show our churches, show our youth especially, that God's mission has no limits. So if you'd like to know more, goodness, there is so much on our Facebook pages. Normally, Emily, we, we have them look at our Facebook page for Worthless Servants, and, and obviously we do have one of those. Please go to that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but we also have another Facebook page that's dedicated to global missions, and you'll see recent posts that deal with uh, Mission Without Limits, all that AJ was talking about and some of the others were talking about. You'll read their stories, their testimonies. It is awesome. But how can they get a hold of us otherwise? You can find us for the podcast at the Worthless Servants Podcast on Facebook. You can find us on mesoamericagenesis.org. You can follow us on Spotify. And even just thinking about what Scott was saying, if you want to read more of the stories or testimonies, it's also on the blog that is updated three times a week. And I think there's at least three, if not four, five, or six posts <laughs> about the um, Mission Without Limits on transformtheglobe.com. Yeah, there's even one on there that just says 25 ways to impact your city during a pandemic. I mean, there's no excuses. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of these youth have been the ones to teach us, to show us, wow, that is a creative way that I never would have thought. Well, that's awesome. We are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. His mission has no limits. We'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.